Welcome to the Battle Cry Podcast with Convention of States Action President Mark Meckler. You can watch the original live broadcast Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Convention of States Facebook and Rumble channels. Pleasure and my privilege to be here to introduce a guy who I have immense admiration for. Uh, Ten years ago, Mark Meckler and a guy named Mike Ferris decided that there was a solution to the problem of Washington being too powerful. And amazingly, the solution was in plain sight, right in our Constitution, in Article 5. And so few people know about this. Mark's here tonight to tell us all about this, and I am not going to waste your time listening to me. So please join me in welcoming Mark Meckler. My pleasure. Thank you. Uh, so I got to start with a quick story because God has such an incredible sense of humor. You know, we read scripture and sometimes this, that sense of humor doesn't necessarily come through. We take it so seriously. So I live in a smaller town, a suburb of Austin, Texas, a town called Leander, out in the hill country. Uh, I moved to Texas five years ago from California. I'm a refugee. So I, <laughs> and, uh, you know, for all the obvious reasons, I don't have to explain that to you all. And when we moved there, one of our biggest prayers, my wife Patty and I, we've been married 30 years, is we didn't have a lot of close friends in California. We were really focused on raising our kids and working for a living and all that stuff and pretty tight-knit, self-contained family. I have a lot of friends all over the country. I'm as blessed as a man could be with friends, way more blessed than I deserve. But we didn't have that couple in our lives that we could fellowship with and, and really be tight with. And when we moved to Texas, one of the big prayers was, Lord, let us find that couple that, you know, that we could really bond with, that we could do life with. We joined a church, uh, and the church didn't work out that well. We joined another church, and, and finally we joined a small group, a life group, and in that life group, we met this couple, and they've become some of the dearest friends we've ever had in our lives. We're with them at least a couple of nights a week. Uh, obviously, we attend church with them. Uh, our friend Doug's in the worship band. So I was over their house on Monday night uh, in small group, studying scripture, praising the Lord, and... We always talk about travel because I travel a lot. My friend Doug travels a lot for his job. Where are you going this week? And I said, well, I'm, I'm going to northern Indiana. And he said, what for? I said, I'm speaking at a church. And he said, oh, really? What church? And I said, I, I don't really know the name of the church. It's in my calendar. <laughs> He's, and he goes, well, we, we might know the church. And I'm thinking, they're from Chicago originally. I'm thinking, you're from Chicago. It's not like a small town, right? <laughs> He's like, no, what church? Tell me. And so I, I pull up my phone, I open it up, I look at the calendar. When I travel, I really, I generally don't know exactly where I'm going. I go where I'm told to go. I've been married 30 years. I'm really good at that. <laughs> so uh, I bring it up and I go, oh, Living Stones. He goes, you've got to be kidding me. I said, no, why? And he goes, well, we got friends at that church. And I'm completely blown away. And he starts naming off people. So we got Joni and Kirk sitting here in the front row. Those are good friends of Doug and Tony Lehman. Thank you for making me feel like I got family here. How cool is that? That seems impossible. Nothing's impossible with the Lord. Here's something that's impossible without the Lord. So I grew up in Los Angeles, California. Don't hold that against me. 
I was completely polluted by everything I learned there. I grew up in a very conservative family. My folks are wonderful people with great Judeo-Christian ethics. But I grew up in a Jewish household, and there was no God in the family. And again, my parents are wonderful people, but there was no God in the family. We were what I would call ritual Jews, traditional Jews, cultural Jews. You see a lot of this in the United States of America. A lot of Jewish communities are, even, even where they go to temple, a lot of my friends went to temple on Friday nights. I used to go with some of my friends. It was a social event for me, literally. It wasn't a worship event, and, and it really had nothing to do with God. And so that's how I was raised. The values were right, and so don't get me wrong, very straight, uh, right and wrong, traditional Judeo-Christian values, but no foundation. You know, if you'd asked me when I was growing up, where's that stuff come from, I'd have said my parents, right? That was it. If you asked my parents where that stuff would come from, they would say, well, it's just right and wrong. Everybody knows what's right and wrong. They didn't understand that they were living their Judeo-Christian heritage and that all that stuff came out of the Bible, but that's what I got when I was growing up. So I went through public school in, in Los Angeles, California. I went off to university in San Diego, San Diego State University. I was a pretty studious kid, and I was pretty careful about where I chose to go to school. What really mattered to me at that time in the United States, San Diego State University was the number one party school in America. So I made a wise choice, <clears throat> far enough away from home that my parents wouldn't know exactly what I was doing, but not too far that mom couldn't do my laundry once in a while. So everything that you would expect would happen in that environment happened to me. Uh, and I say to me, I'm not a victim. It was all my own choice. I did all the wrong things. I, I engaged in everything that you imagine a wayward college student in, enjoying back in those days. That would have been the early 1980s. Uh, and it was a mess and it was the, a lot of drugs and a lot of partying and a lot of girls and I almost failed out of school. I was just an absolute mess. But the thing that happened to me in college that was the absolute worst thing that happened to me in college, which maybe you would think I would never recover from, was I took religion classes in college. And I learned at San Diego State University something profound and apparently at the time inarguable, which is that the single greatest force for evil on the face of the earth ever to exist was Christianity. That's literally what I was taught. I'm not exaggerating when I say that. I was taught about the Crusades and the excesses of the Crusades and how evil Christianity had been, the hypocrisy of Christians. And so by the time I graduated from college, I was on a five-year plan. You can imagine why. By the time I graduated from college, that, that was my fundamental belief. And so I had gone from a kid who was raised with Judeo-Christian values. I still had those values. But I believe that Christianity was an evil scourge on the face of the earth. And I was a militant atheist. And so fast forward into my life. Um, I got married in terrible first marriage. It only lasted a year and a half. My wife cheated on me. It was a really bad scene, very devastating. One of the biggest blessings in my entire life, I now know in hindsight, because out of that I met my wife, Patty. The, you know, aside from being saved, the greatest blessing that's ever happened to me. So I meet Patty, she's a believer, and for some strange reason, only known to her and God, she falls in love with a divorced Jewish atheist. <laughs> I don't recommend it, I'm just saying. It's not an easy road to hoe. Unequally yoked. And I asked her to marry me, and uh, I asked her dad for her hand, and he says yes, but in the meantime, he takes her aside and he says, 
you know, honey, I, we love Mark and he's a great guy and, you know, he's obviously gonna, building a good life and I know you love him, but you just need to understand he's not going to heaven. I mean, that's just basic scriptural reality. And I need you to understand that. To this day, I cannot understand this. I never will understand this because I wouldn't do it. My wife said to her father, I don't know how this happens, but I know that God would never separate me and my husband. So I know he's going to be there, and I know we're going to be together, and I know that God is working on Mark. So I start to, to seek. I studied Eastern philosophy, Buddhism. I became an expert in Buddhism. Most people don't know most of the Western thinkers on Buddhism, the Western practitioners of Buddhism, those who write about it, most of them are Jewish, which is really interesting, so I could relate to that. I studied Hinduism. I studied Jainism, which is the precursor to Hinduism. I studied Islam. I studied all the religions I could find because it was fascinating to me to study this stuff, and what I can tell you for sure is that not one of them made my heart sing. It was interesting. If you read them and study them, you'll find interesting stuff and useful stuff in any and all of them, but nothing spoke to me, nothing gave me any kind of a universal answer to, to whatever it was I was seeking, and at the time I couldn't even told you what it was I was seeking, but I looked at all that stuff. Now there was one thing that I did not ever look at, that I didn't investigate, that I didn't study at all, and that was Christianity. Because I already knew everything there was to know about Christianity. I mean, I'd never opened a Bible. <laughs> I'd never read anything about Christianity. I'd never read any apologetics. I'd never listened to a single sermon. I hadn't read the Hebrew Bible or the New Testament, but I already knew that that was off limits. And so I didn't study any of that. I didn't read any of that. And then 13 years ago, almost 14 years ago, I got involved in politics. And politics is a nasty, dirty business. And a lot of people lose their souls in politics because it's very attractive. You get power. Uh, if you get to this, do the kind of stuff that I've done, you get to know famous people, politicians, media figures. People point cameras at you. People fall in love with that. And, and so a lot of people drift into that, right? And, the, and they sacrifice who they are in exchange for that notoriety or fame or power or whatever it is. I'm just blessed because God didn't wire me that way. I wasn't really interested in that stuff. And what started to happen to me is as I traveled around the country, I started to meet everywhere I went in conservative politics, very righteous Christian people. I ended up founding the Tea Party movement, which became the largest grassroots movement in the history of modern America, 23 million people. And it gave me access to some amazing places. You know, I got to go into Washington, D.C. and meet the most powerful people. I got to invited to fancy dinners and meet the fancy people. I'm not a fancy people. And I got to meet all those people. And those people started to affect me. They weren't trying to affect me, but they were walking the walk. They were evangelizing in what is the truest sense of evangelism. They were living according to the word of our Savior, Jesus Christ. I believe that if I became a Christian that I was betraying my Jewish heritage. Nobody ever said that to me. I never heard it in temple. My grandparents never said it. My parents certainly never said it. Nobody ever said that to me. It just felt that way. 
And when I realized that Paul was saying that I believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and I'm Jewish, that was an astounding door opening to me. So I'm, I'm a Jew. There's nothing I can do. That will never change. I would never want to change that. So the very heart of who I am, it's just, it's in my genetics. It goes back thousands of years. But I could believe that the Messiah has come. Here's my story. One day I just thought, I think I believe this stuff. I guess I'm a Christian. <laughs> it's not very dramatic. Um, and, and of course I prayed and, and asked, and I repented and asked the Lord to save me and gave my life to the Lord. I can't even remember exactly when that happened. I was probably just sitting at my desk one day. It wasn't a dramatic thing. Not long after that, I had a chance to speak in front of an audience like this at Patrick Henry College, and uh, the host of the day was Marvin Alasky. At that time, he was the publisher of World Magazine, uh, worldwide largest Christian publication. Marvin is Jewish and former communist, so even worse than me. I was just, I was just an atheist. He was actually a communist. <laughs> and uh, when I... I was getting ready to go on stage. We had lunch together first, and, and so he said, tell me your story, so I kind of know how to introduce you, and I told him my story, and I got to this point about, like, my, my epiphany moment, and I said, I'm a little embarrassed because it's really not very impressive, and he laughed, and he goes, well, that's because you're a Jew. <laughs> well, that's kind of a weird thing to say, Marvin. What's that supposed to mean? Is that some kind of slander? I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> I thought we're in this together. And uh, he said, look, you know, uh, the Jewish culture is an incredibly logical culture. And we honor logic and learning. And if you ever see people seriously studying Torah, it's an argument. There's a debate that goes on in the study of Torah. Uh, if, you haven't, uh, rec if you haven't read this stuff, I recommend uh, Dennis Prager has a series of books on Torah, which are absolutely incredible, best Torah study you could possibly imagine. And you get the sense of argument, even Dennis with himself in these books. And so he said, you know, you, you did, he said, you did what I did. And I said, what do you mean? He said, I don't remember exactly how I became a Christian. I just remember one day thinking, I think the weight of evidence is over here. And so I guess this is what I believe now, right? So um, I tell you that story for a couple of reasons. One is I have received the greatest miracle that a human being can receive. And I am as undeserving as any human being on this planet. I am Paul. I was 51 years old when the Lord saved me. 51 years old. I was so arrogant. I knew everything about that which I knew nothing. There's a little bit longer version of this story. I did, I did a podcast with the C.S. Lewis Society, and they have a a thing on people coming to faith and I told this story and, and I didn't have editorial control I just told my story and it's a little bit embarrassing but it's correct the title of the podcast you can look this up online is Mark Meckler I don't need God yeah pretty gnarly so I tell you that because I think there's hope and salvation for anybody it doesn't matter how old and stupid you are like me doesn't matter how thick your head is, but I think it's out there for anybody. And so for me, you think about it, I came to salvation through politics where most people lose their soul. You can find God anywhere, I'm just saying.
Okay, now you know way too much about me. So that's, that's how I came to faith. One really important thing that I have to say to wrap that whole story in a bow is I was not a Christian until I was 51 years old. And so that means for me, I have a heart for everybody. I was a Jewish militant atheist, right? So if I can't, if I don't have an open heart for absolutely everybody, if I don't love everybody, then I don't even understand where I came from. I stay very attached to that. In any room that I walk into, everybody's welcome. In anything that I do in politics, everybody's welcome. I love everybody. I'm never gonna be shy about professing my faith and telling my story of what happened to me because for me, that's a radical transformation for me. But I love every, absolutely everybody. We live in a time right now in this country where that's less and less true for most people. This country is incredibly divided. The world is incredibly divided. I can't be up here and not speak about what's going on in Israel right now. I speak about Israel as a Jew because without Israel, there are no Jews. Jews will be wiped from the face of the earth without Israel. Israel is the reconstitution of God's chosen people in their nation, in the Holy Land, as God deemed it should be. And there are forces all across the earth that are attempting to wipe them out. And I can tell you, for me, that's very personal. What's going on in Israel is horrific. What's going on in America is horrific in regard to Israel right now. 61 years old, as a Jew in America, I've never felt unsafe. I don't feel safe in America anymore, as a Jew in America. And I'm an out, proud, open Jew. I wear a Star of David everywhere I go. It has a cross in the middle representing where my heart belongs. But I wear this Star of David everywhere I go. People know that I'm Jewish. I talk about it. And I don't feel safe in my own country now. This is unbelievable. I never expected that I would see this. We see people marching in the streets in favor of Hamas, an out terrorist organization that admits that it has genocidal intentions towards the Jewish people, not just in Israel, but everywhere in the world, in America right now. I have a friend whose daughter was in Boston at a comedy show a few nights ago, Dave Chappelle did a show in a big arena with 22,000 people and he got up on stage and he started to go off and he started to go all pro-Palestinian. I had no idea he's apparently Muslim. I didn't know that. That's fine. But he starts to go off all super pro-Palestinian, anti-Israel. Somebody stood up, called him out, said, told him to shut up. He started yelling back at them. The audience started chanting, go Hamas in America. This is a very dangerous place we're in right now in the United States of America. And it's really important that every single person in America, Jewish, Christian, or otherwise, understands the danger that we face right now. We actually live in a time, I never thought I would say this, it sounds crazy and hyperbolic, we live in a time of rising Nazism. This is actually worse than Nazism. The Nazis hid their crimes from the world. That was their goal. They were embarrassed. They didn't want the world to know that they were running concentration camps. Hamas, Hezbollah, Iran, all these other countries, they openly say their goal is the genocide, the total genocide, the eradication of the Jewish people from the face of the earth. 
And we, whether we're Christians or Jews or just decent human beings, have an obligation to openly stand against this. You will hear people say, I'm totally against the killing of innocent people and what happened in Israel is horrible, but... Here's my response. Literally, and this is going to sound inflammatory, my response is, oh, you're a Nazi. People get really offended when I say that. They get offended. I go, oh, I'm sorry. You're actually worse than a Nazi. (laughs) Because they hid what they were doing. They tried to hide what they were doing. You're openly justifying terrorism, the the murder of babies, the, the rape of women, the the killing of elderly people, you're openly supporting that. So I say, as Christians, as Jews, as decent human beings, we must stand against this loudly. Are you guys with me? This has been the podcast version of The Battle Cry with Mark Meckler. Visit conventionofstates.com slash pod to learn more. Thank you for listening.